This is Journey Church Podcast. Here at Journey, we believe in encountering God and embracing people. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are encouraged by this week's message. About all this car mechanical stuff. And then as he's graduating, he's actually going to enter into the workforce. So, you know, it's not just something on a piece of paper or like in a controlled environment. You're in a shop where somebody's car is on the line, and then that is, that is much different than actually being in a controlled environment or just having a piece of paper uh, where you can just write down the right answers. And so me and my brother, we've talked about this a few times where he's in, he has been in a couple of shops, and they're teaching him and showing him more and more about all of these things that cars go through, and it's different than actually studying it at SAIT. Um, for myself, I've also somewhat experienced this as I was actually in nursing school at MRU several years ago, and one of my profs during that time talked about something called the NCLEX, which is this like fancy, terrifying exam that I was absolutely terrified of and I didn't really want to take because it was going to test all of my knowledge that I knew and it was going to be preparing me for going into like this actual field of nursing like in a hospital and at that moment I kind of realized as my prof was talking about this NCLEX that there's this separation between knowing things and practicing them. Like, we still are, like, practicing all of these nursing skills and all this stuff, but it's, like, much different when you're actually in a hospital and people's lives are kind of in your hands. It's, it's a very different experience. And I, I say all of these stories kind of just to bring them back a little bit later, but right now we're going to talk about ACTS. And we're going to talk about the church and how they actually experience this idea of like knowledge meeting practice at the same time. You see, Acts 6, 1 to 7 says, you can follow behind me or you can pull out your Bibles. It says, now during those days when disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists, these Hellenists are Greek-speaking Jews, uh, complained against the Hebrews because their widows had been neglected in the daily distribution of food. And the twelve called together the whole community of disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint to do this task. While we, for our part, devote ourselves to prayer and serving the Lord. What they said pleased the whole whole community, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, together with Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenes, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. 
The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. You see, here, the church is being confronted by the Greek-speaking Jews as they are seeing them preach something and live out something different. So through this confrontation, the church was able to see that there was something wrong, a disconnect between what they said that they believed and what they were actually practicing. Often in our lives, there's these moments when we say things and we believe certain things where we have knowledge of certain things in our minds, but we don't actually practice the things that we know. There's a disconnect between our minds and our hearts. Which is why we actually need accountability from others to actually see the error in our ways. If we say that we believe something and are caught, are doing, and are caught doing something the opposite, sometimes we need a little bit of a kick in the pants to get back on track. For myself, I, I have a few people in my life who actually help me stay accountable to the things that I say I'm going to do and the things that I have said that I believe. Actually, there's just one person who really comes to mind who does a really good job of this. This person uh, has just been a very solid person in my life and just been a very continuous figure who has called me out for doing many things, and it's actually... Pastor Gifty, who I'm still in contact with, and she keeps me in check. She's a person that I can really rely on to be bluntly honest with me when I need to be, have blunt honesty given to me, and holds me to account for the things that I do in my life. She says things like, hey, Joshua, you need to make sure you actually are doing what you believe. You need to make sure that your heart and your mind are like connected. I'm, I'm seeing you do something and that doesn't quite add up. And that's a really good thing to have in our lives. The church needed to be confronted for its behavior. And it had people that did that. We all need this accountability from other Christians. We need other Christians who will judge us based on what we do. We need a community sometimes to see our own faults. And we also need to be built up and encouraged. We need people to call us out, but we also need people to call us up. Our communities should be places that do that for us. We need, I need, people who will get into the mess of my life and who will say, hey Joshua, what you did wasn't right. Or, hey Joshua, you just need to be held to account right now. And that I believe the call of God upon your life means that you can live greater, that you can live better than the way that you are living right now. God has so much in store for you instead of the way that you are living. Accountability is great, but then we must actually do something with that. Our hearts and our might, um, our hearts and our minds must align. Furthermore, Stephen is highlighted from among these seven. Acts 6, 
8 to 10 says, Stephen, full of grace and power, did wonders and signs among the people. Then some who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those others from Sicily and Asia stood up and argued with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit from which he spoke. Mind and heart connections matter. Let me repeat verse 10 again. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit from which he spoke. Stephen knew his word, he knew his scriptures, he knew his Bible and the gospel that had been given to him. He had studied it and he had known what it was. He did not go around proclaiming and speaking about something that he didn't have any connection to or he didn't know. But he not only knew scripture, but he also knew God and he had experienced God as well. You see, I grew up in a Christian home, and I went to church every Sunday, and I had experienced that. I had experienced the church things, and I could definitely say that I grew up knowing things of God. But for the longest time, I hadn't actually known God in my own heart. People could ask me, do you love God? And I would give the obvious answer, which is, yes, yes, I love God. But I didn't actually know what that meant. I was caught between knowing God in my head and not understanding what that actually meant. Like, what does it actually mean to love God? Like the stories I was saying at the beginning uh, of myself and my brother, we both were confronted with this idea of us having all of this knowledge in our heads, of being protected in these safe environments, and then being thrust into places where our, our knowledge had to meet our practice. What we know about God also impacts how we act and how we live. Our minds and our hearts need to be connected. Like in our bodies, if we were just a brain, and we didn't have a heart pumping blood around our entire bodies, then we, wouldn't then we wouldn't be alive. We need both our mind and our heart to be connected. These two things have to kind of align. Likewise, if we are just intellectual Christians and we have not been transformed in our hearts, how are we supposed to live a fully devoted life to God? I, I found myself asking that question as I grew up. How am I supposed to live a fully devoted life to God if my mind and my heart aren't connected? Our lives then must be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit must empower us and connect our minds and our hearts. You see, Stephen lived this way out, lived this way, and lived this way to his very end. He was brought before the council, convicted falsely, and still provided a testimony and argument in the face of death. 
Acts 7, 53-60 says, You are the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens are opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a shout, all rushed together against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coat at, a at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he died. The reason why they dragged Stephen out to the council is because of the way that he lived. He lived a life where his actions and his beliefs matched where they mattered. His life and the way he lived it was so offensive to the people of his time because of the way that he lived it. Because he lived what he believed. He didn't just believe in his mind. He lived it out. If Stephen had actually believed in just his mind instead of his mind and heart, if he was just up in his head, then his life would have never been seen as a threat. And if he hadn't been transformed by the Holy Spirit, then he could have never prayed his prayer at the end of his life. To pray for the people that were killing him. But to pray for their forgiveness. That is evidence of a transformed life. That is evidence of a life that isn't just stuck in our heads. It is a life that is lived in the Holy Spirit. That life that he lived was transformed by God. On our own strength and without transformation of the Holy Spirit, I could never imagine even doing that. I get frustrated at people when they cut me off in traffic. So it's a little bit difficult to imagine that. Stephen's life is an example to all of us. His life points us towards Christ and the Holy Spirit. He lived in a way that was representative of the way that Jesus lived. That man, Stephen, had met God. I often wonder in my own life if I would be st as strong as Stephen was. I look at my own life and I pray that people see Jesus 
through me. And I pray that's your prayer today, that when people look at the way that you are living, when they look at the way that I am living, that they see Jesus through our actions, that they see Jesus through us. The Holy Spirit must transform us, and He must empower us to live these lives where our hearts, our minds, and our lives align and are connected. We cannot do that on our own. We must fully rely on the Spirit to do His work in our lives. Here are three things that I'd like you to remember. We need Christian communal accountability. Our minds and our hearts must align. And number three, our lives must be transformed by the Holy Spirit to empower us and connect our minds and hearts. For me, this was a journey as I said earlier, I grew up in a Christian household, a place where my parents, they both taught me about God from a young age. And I went to, I went to church, I went to Sunday school, I did all of those things. Um, I, I did everything that I needed to to be called a Christian. I was attending church, going to Sunday school, Going to youth group, Manny, just wait. all of those don't, things. Don't go up yet. But just stay by the door. I always felt that there was something missing, and okay, Nathan, I'm gonna I I realized at some point that I had all the head knowledge that I could ever want, but my heart fade you guys in. and my mind so you guys hadn't start been playing. connected. I'm gonna yet. fade you guys in, okay? My mind was full, but my heart hadn't been transformed. My heart needed to be transformed. Fast forward many years, and my family went through a great season of grief. And that grief drove me towards God, and He kept on drawing me in towards Him. And as He was doing that, I realized and had realizations in my heart that I needed to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, that I needed to change the trajectory of my life, that the Holy Spirit was the only person who could change my life, that He was the only being who could transform my heart into a place where my mind and my heart aligned, where my life could look like Christ. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what He does in our lives. He's the one who transforms us. And from that moment on, my life was transformed by the Holy Spirit. And when my mind and my heart finally connected, this transformation changed the way that I lived. Those keys are a little bit sticky, so just... Often in our lives, we, there is struggles that we go through in our Christian walk. There are some days that Christian walk is difficult. And it's hard. But the Spirit helps us. The Spirit helps me. When I wake up in the morning, I know that the Holy Spirit resides in me. 
I know that He is guiding me closer and closer to God. And I can trust Him with my pain, with my anger, with my frustrations, and all of that. And it's because my heart has been transformed. I know that I can live a transformed life because of what the Holy Spirit has done in me. I, I don't live a faith that is in my mind. I live it out. When I feel this temptation to just be like, I sometimes just want to be a Christian in my head. It's no. No, the Holy Spirit comes back and He, he corrects me. And He aligns my heart and my spirit again. And today my life is marked by what the Holy Spirit has done in me. And I pray that your lives and the life of everybody in this church has been marked by what the Holy Spirit is going to do in your life or has done in your life. My life is the testimony to the goodness of God. And I implore you to also make your lives testimonies to the goodness of God and the goodness that He is going to do in your life and through your life. Just as we were hearing this morning that God is a faithful God and that He transforms and changes situations, that He takes our lives and makes them into the lives that He desires for us because He doesn't desire bad things. He desires good things for us. May we follow in the example of Christ. May we follow in the example of Stephen and let our lives look more and more like Jesus. Let us pray to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and to encounter God. And let us live like we have met Him. At this time, I would invite the prayer team, if there's anybody, to come forward. And I just want to, yeah. If you're in the prayer team, please come forward. If your life needs to be transformed by the Holy Spirit, or if you just need this rekindling of the Holy Spirit in your own life, I want to encourage you to come up and get prayer. Because we can only do what God empowers us to do. And the Holy Spirit, He wants to empower you today. He wants you to take that step of faith forward. So I'm just gonna, I'm going to pray for you all to just receive the Holy Spirit in your own life. Thank you for joining us today on Journey Church Podcast. For more information about our ministry, visit myjourney.church.